the La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. On Tuesday, August 23, 1927, the city of La Crosse was buzzing. Charles Lucky Lindy Lindbergh, the man who had achieved instantaneous world fame for making the first nonstop solo transatlantic flight just three months earlier, was going to fly over the city. A girl working as an operator for the La Crosse Telephone Company received and relayed the news that the newly crowned national hero was going to arrive in the skies above La Crosse at 11.30 a.m. Thousands took to the streets to catch a glimpse of the lone eagle and his plane, the Spirit of St. Louis. He circled the city three times and then swooped down near 4th and Main and dropped a note to the cheering multitude. The note read, Greetings! Because of the limited time and the extensive itinerary of the tour of the United States, now in progress to encourage popular interest in aeronautics, it is impossible for the spirit of St. Louis to land in your city. This message from the air, however, is sent to you to express our sincere appreciation of your interest in the tour and in the promotion and expansion of commercial aeronautics in the United States. We feel that we will be amply repaid for all our efforts if each and every citizen in the United States cherishes an interest in flying and gives his earnest support to the airmail service and the establishment of airports and similar facilities. The concentrated efforts of the citizens of the United States in this direction will result in America's taking its rightful place within a very short time as the world leader in commercial flying. Signed, Charles A. Lindbergh. Yet sharing the front page on this most celebratory day was a much more sinister story. A bohemian immigrant by the name of John Olula entered the home of a woman he had become infatuated with. For over two years, Olula pursued this woman, a widow with six children. He moved closer to her home, and neighbors reported seeing him walking up and down the street in front and in back of her house. Several offers of marriage had been turned down. He had threatened that if he could not have her, he would take both their lives. Then, on this fateful day, he gained entry to her home, and a significant quarrel between the two erupted. Neighbors noted the noise coming from the house. Police believed the woman rushed to the telephone in order to summon help. Alula grabbed her away, ripping the receiver from her hand, and then pulled a brand new 32 caliber revolver and fired twice. The first bullet entered her brain, and the second penetrated her chest. She died instantly. Alula then turned his revolver on himself. Despite a gunshot wound to his head, he was still alive when police arrived on the scene. He was rushed to the hospital, but death found him later that evening. The victim's children, five sons and one daughter, became orphans. They were divided amongst and raised by relatives. And now I'd like to welcome in Anita Taylor-Doring and Doug Connell. Anita is the Senior Archivist and Archives Department Manager at the La Crosse Public Library. Doug is an Archives Volunteer who helps with the Way It Was photo that appears weekly in the La Crosse Tribune. He is also a former Tribune News Clerk and Editor of True Tales of La Crosse, a volume of unusual stories from La Crosse newspapers. While this tragedy involving the murder of a widow with six children is the focus of the episode, the circumstances and resolution of that story are pretty straightforward. In fact, it was really only stumbled upon when an archive staff member was searching for coverage of the Lindbergh flyover for a National History Day student. Ordinarily, such an event featuring a national hero would have been the top headline in the La Crosse Tribune, 
but because of the sensational murder-suicide, it was instead relegated to a secondary headline with much of the story below the fold on the front page. The following is from my August 23, 2002 Tribune article, which marked the 75th anniversary of Lindbergh's flight over La Crosse. On August 23, 1927, La Crosse was buzzed by aviator Charles Lindbergh, flying the same plane he used to make aeronautical history three months earlier in completing the first solo nonstop flight across the Atlantic Ocean. Lindbergh's flight over La Crosse was part of a cross-country tour of the United States to promote aviation following his New York to Paris flight in May of 1927 with his plane, the Spirit of St. Louis. According to a Tribune account of Lindbergh's flight over La Crosse, his visit over the city had been announced in advance, so most residents here were in the streets or on rooftops that morning, a Tuesday, hoping to see Lucky Lindy. Flying from Madison, Lindbergh arrived over La Crosse just before noon and, as the Tribune reported, the smooth rhythmic hum of Lindy's motor, echoing between the river bluffs, was as welcome a sound as La Crosse ever longed for, and the appearance of the plane was a signal for countless thousands of tiny outbursts of joy. Every downtown office building had its quota of anxious men and women eager for a glimpse of the famous plane or a wee bit of a look at the flyer, the Tribune reported. Everyone saw the plane, and a few lucky birds saw Lindy looking out the little window on the side of his plane. Some saw him take off his cap and wave it in one of his characteristic waves, which is unlike anything else. Lindbergh flew three graceful circles over the city. On his second pass, he swooped down within a couple hundred feet of the downtown area near 4th and Main Street, to drop a sack containing a message. According to the Tribune, and I quote, thousands were watching him as he circled the city and a faint scream could be heard from hundreds of throats when he suddenly dived for the building tops. It seemed at first he would hit a roof or building, although of course he was probably a good hundred feet above any danger. The cry of apprehension was followed at once by a gasp of relief as the big silver plane zoomed gracefully up and an orange ribbon parcel was seen to shoot down into town. Lindbergh probably meant to drop his message atop the five-story Tillman Furniture Building at 116 South 4th Street, now home to Lighthold Music, since it was then one of downtown's highest flat roof structures. A large crowd was on the Tillman roof for the event, and they were hoping that the message sack would land amid them. But the winds decreed otherwise, and the bag floated across the alley to land on another Tillman building, the four-story Tillman Undertaking Building at 111 South 3rd Street, now home to Carly's Pub. A handful of undertaking employees were grouped on that roof, and as the message bag landed on the roof, there was a mad rush to retrieve it. A Tillman Undertaker's employee named Andy Lund emerged victorious in the scramble for the bag and became, quote, the happiest man in the city, according to the Tribune account of the incident. After dropping his message, Lindbergh climbed to make his third circle of the city before continuing his flight northward toward the Twin Cities. His stay over La Crosse was very short totaling only four minutes from 11.44 to 11.48 a.m., but it was long remembered by many local and area residents who witnessed the event. 
Lindbergh died on August 26, 1974, and is buried on the Hawaiian island of Maui. His history-making plane, The Spirit of St. Louis, is on display at the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. The one thing I'm curious about in regard to Lindbergh's flight over the Cross is whatever happened to the message he dropped here. Was it kept at City Hall, or did Andy Lunn, the man who snagged the message, keep it? I've searched Old Tribune files hoping to find an answer, but haven't had any luck. If anyone out there has knowledge of what happened to the message, the Public Library Archives would be glad to hear from you. Thank you for listening.